Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. We're going to jump right in. We're going to jump into a, a passage of text from the Old Testament out of the book of Numbers, starting in chapter 13, starting in verse 25. And it says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Now, let me catch you up just a little bit. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Israelites had come out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they had now spent uh, the next few years, the next few years in the wilderness, okay? They're in this wilderness land, and God had continued to promise to them that, hey, I have a land that is for you. It is set apart. It is marked out for you. It is yours. It's like that gift that's just like under the Christmas tree that you just can't wait to get, but it's like not December 25th yet. And he's like, it's there. I promise. You just got to trust me. You got to wait until I say, okay, it's time to go. And so as they're in this wilderness, he's like, hey, I have a project for you, Moses. I want you to send some of your men to go spy out the land. I want them to go see it. I'm not ready to give it to you yet, but I just want them to see it. And so he sends out spies, he sends out spies to go spy out the land. So it says at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. They're like, it is definitely everything that you said it would be. It is the promise that you have been telling us about. It's the promise that you have been uh, 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 illustrating to us. We've seen it. It's there. He says, here it is. Here is its fruit. He says, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified, and it's very large. It says, we even saw descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. It says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But, somebody say but. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people because they're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And man, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. You see, the Israelites had got a preview into the land that was promised to them, but with the land that was promised to them, there was some opposition that was there as well. And so the spies that were sent to go come up with a plan of how they were going to take over the land ended up coming back with a plan of how, if they even tried, they would be defeated. We're going to jump to a passage of scripture in, chapter, in Philippians chapter 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want to talk to you today about how we manage the emotion of worry, how we manage the emotion of anxiety and all that comes with that, with the message I've entitled, Trust Fund. Trust Fund. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds, Lord God, to bring revelation to our spirit, Father God, to give us a confidence as we walk out of this place that you go before us. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Come on, turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm starting my trust fund today. I am starting my trust fund today. You see, with the promise that God had given to the Israelites came some opposition. And I want to be upfront with you here today. We're going to jump right in. I want to be upfront with you today. There are going to be some things in your life that God has promised to you, that God has given you the directions to, that God has marked out the plan of attack, but there's going to be some opposition. There are going to be some obstacles that you're going to have to trust God will get you through and will get you over, that he will get you to the promised land that he has marked out for you. The one thing that will attempt to distract us from that is worry. And when we talk about worry, there are a bunch of different things in life that we can become worried about. Okay, and the reason I love this emotions series, and we've been talking about it in Connect Group. If you haven't been to a Connect Group, make sure to get to a Connect Group. I host a Connect Group. And we've been talking about is emotions is none of us can escape our emotions. Like none of us um, don't have to go through emotions or don't, don't have to, we, none of us have the luxury, let me say, but none of us have the luxury of being able to avoid managing our emotions. It is something that we all have to deal with on a daily basis. That's why most of us, we go, we listen to a message on Sunday and then Monday comes around and we're like, I'm pretty sure this is the exact situation that Pastor Josiah was just talking about last Sunday. And don't be lying. Don't be saying that none of you were placed in an opportunity on Monday where you, had the, you wanted to get angry, but you chose not to because Pastor Josiah preached an amazing message last Sunday. So none of us have the luxury of being able to graduate out of our emotions. It is something that we are consistently and constantly going to have to make sure that we are managing on a regular basis. Now, there are different levels to our worry, and I want to make a quick distinguishment when I talk about worry. When I'm talking about worry, I'm not talking about making cautious decisions, okay? There are definitely moments in our life where we need to exercise caution, okay? Caution means I'm going to take the right steps. I'm not going to rush into something. I'm not just going to use blind faith, but I'm actually going to come up with a plan that takes into account the circumstances, but I'm still going to exercise that plan. Worry is I'm not even going to try. You see, the spies that we read about here in Numbers, they weren't exercising caution. Caution would have been, hey, there's some giants there. There's some opposition there. Our enemies are currently in that land. So we need to come up with a plan of attack that's going to help us be successful. That would have been using caution. They weren't using caution. They saw the enemy, and they're like, we're not even going to try. That is worry. Worry is 
what distracts us from achieving and, and fulfilling what God has called us to and what God has promised to us. You see, worry distracts us in that what it does is it makes our current circumstances seem a lot bigger, a lot scarier than what they actually are. Um, I have a quick picture for you. My oldest son, Uriah, he is now five years old. He's going to be six years old pretty soon. But when we first taught him how to ride a bike, okay, we first taught him how to ride a bicycle, we took him to the park. And I've shared this story before, so if you've been around Freedom House, you're like, I think I've heard this story. Yeah, you've heard this story before. And so we're teaching him how to ride this bike. He's three years old, and he finally gets it. And he finally starts pushing the pedals in the right direction because for any of you that have had to teach your children how to ride the bike, how to ride a bicycle, the first step is just teaching them how to pedal in the right direction because they always want to pedal backwards. And it's like, no, that's what you do to stop. You need to pedal forward. So we finally got him to start pedaling forward. He finally got some momentum. Okay, finally got some momentum. And then we came to this walkway at the park and this walkway had a bunch of what I call things, okay? I don't even know what the terminology for, but you can put up that picture, media team. You can put up that picture, and this is what they are. And I literally don't know what they're called, and this morning when I was trying to Google a picture, I literally put in Google, ball things with pricklies that fall off of a tree. And they gave me the picture, so even Google doesn't know what they're called, okay? So even Google doesn't know what they're called. So for our illustration today, we're gonna call them the things. And so we come up to the walkway, we come up to the walkway, and my son, he had just been riding his bike, and he comes to a complete stop. And I'm like, what's going on? How come you stop riding your, how come you stop pedaling? He goes, well, the things. And I'm like, okay, what, 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 what about them? Why, the things, they're there. And I'm like, son, you're much bigger than them. Your bike and your wheels are much bigger than them. Those aren't going to hurt you. Those, those things, they're not going to stop you. You just got to keep pedaling and carry that momentum through the walkway. But because he was so worried about the thing, his worry made him stop. Worry will paralyze you from achieving and being the man and woman of God. God has called you to be. You see, because the worries that we often face are not worries that God hasn't foreseen. They're things that God already knows about. And if God already knows about it, then he's already created a plan and provision for us to make our way through it. But if we become too distracted on the things in life that cause us to worry, then we'll never fully achieve what God has set out and what God has marked out, or in this case, like the children of Israel, what God has promised to us. You see, the Oxford Dictionary defines worry as such. It says, giving way to anxiety or unease. Literally meaning that worry is not something you have to give into. But when you worry, what you're doing is you are giving way to what the circumstance appears to be and not what God says about it. You are literally giving way in your mind. You are allowing your mind to dwell on difficulty or on troubles. You see, worry is the fruit of fear. Worry is the fruit of fear. You see, we will not admit that we are scared, but we will carry 
worry in our decision making. We will carry worry in our everyday lives. We'll say, no, I'm full of faith. But we won't take the next step in our walk with God because we will worry about the circumstances that will change when we take that next step. Well, what's going to happen if I go to that growth track class? What's going to happen if I go to that connect group? What, what are people going to think of me? What are people going to say? Well, what if they find out about my marriage, about my family that's falling apart? What are they going to think about me? And so before we even get into a situation that could bring healing to our marriage or to our family or to our community or to our schooling, we don't even attempt to go into the promised land. The Israelites were on the cusp of entering the promised land, but they became distracted by the worries that were inhabiting that land that they forgot about the God that had promised that land to them. You see, we don't all of a sudden stumble across worry. Like you don't just wake up one day and just be filled with worry. What happens is worry, as I said earlier, worry is the fruit of fear. So what worry is really the accumulation of is seeds of fear that have been planted all throughout our life, all throughout our mind, all throughout our experiences. You see, the children of Israel, they didn't just all of a sudden see their enemies and then become scared or then begin to worry. What happened is they had these seeds of fear that had been planted because they had come out of slavery. They had spent years and years in Egypt under oppression and there were seeds that were planted in their mind, in their spirit, and in their heart while they were in slavery that they made devotions to themselves that never will we put ourselves in a situation where we could go back into slavery. Never will we put ourselves in a situation where we are going to be forced back into oppression. And so what they would do, what now has been planted is now that seed of fear had been planted in their spirit. So when they now met opposition... Even though it had been promised to them, the worry of being taken over and going back into slavery outweighed the promise that God had made to them. So where are the seeds of fear that have been planted in your life today? What is your greatest worry? When you wake up on Monday, what weighs down your spirit? What weighs down your heart? What is it on a Tuesday? What worry in your spirit is keeping you from finding healing in your marriage, finding healing in your family? What worry is keeping you from reconnecting with your son or with your daughter or reconnecting with your parents? What worry is keeping you from going all in for Jesus and just saying, you know what, God, I'm leaving the old me behind and I'm just going to step into who you have promised and declared for me to be? Is it you came from a broken home? And so you think that if you forgive your spouse that you're going to go back into what you saw as a child? Is it your workplace? You're afraid that you're going to get fired and so you won't ask for a promotion or you won't seek for that higher position because you're worried that if somebody else hears that you asked for a promotion or ask for higher wages that you're going to be blacklisted and held down and possibly fired again. And so you'll settle for what you're making now. You'll settle for your current circumstance that you never step into the promise that God has for you. 
Is it your faith? You're afraid to go all in for Jesus because of the seeds of fear that have possibly been planted in your mind about not trusting organized religion or never trust a church or never trust people at church because they're all fake or they're all hypocrites. Well, guess what? We could include ourselves in that. None of us are perfect, so. But we will, we will allow these seeds of fear to stir up worry within our spirit that we then never fully reap of the harvest that God has for us. We, we see the promise from a distance, but we never quite step into it. You see, at the anecdote to worry is trust. The anecdote to worry is trust. And some of you may have thought I was going to say the anecdote to worry is faith, but the truth is, is faith can be rooted in worry. Because everybody has faith, it's just a matter of where do we place our faith in. See, we could all sit in this place and say, we are all people of faith, and you are, whether you believe in Jesus or not. We're all people of faith, whether we believe God has a plan or not. We're all people of faith, whether or not we believe we're going to heaven or not. Your faith, see, we, th we think of faith as a religious term, but faith is whatever you put your belief system in. Because believe it or not, no matter if you're atheist, agnostic, you're Christian, you're Catholic, you're Mormon, whatever you may be or whatever you may consider yourself to be, at the end of the day, there is nothing that 100% proves what you believe. All of us have a measure of faith. It's do we put our faith in the Big Bang? Do we put our faith in a textbook? Do we put our faith in a science book? Or do we put our faith in Jesus, in the one and only God, in the only textbook that, over 2000 and that for over 2,000 of years hasn't been changed or hasn't had to have so many different revisions that it completely deteriorates the context, the original context of which it was created. So we all are people of faith. It's just a matter of what are we putting our faith in? Is our faith grounded in worry or is our faith grounded in trust? You see, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Worry is the result of placing our faith in our own understanding. Worry is the result of placing our faith in our own understanding. Because worry causes us to make decisions based off of what we see, off of what we hear, out of our senses. That's what worry is grounded out of. But trust says, even though I may not have every answer, even though I may not know the exact step, my trust is in God's plan, not mine. My trust is in God's provision, not mine. You see, the, the spies that went out for the nation of Israel, what they were missing is that the plan of attack and the provision for the land was not based out of their own understanding, but it was placed out of God's promise. And if it's placed out of God's promise, then he's going to make the provision for it. He will draw up the right plan of attack. He will give the right resources. He will give the right weapons. He will give you the right discernment to draw up the right time of which to attack. But the Israelites became so caught up in their worry and in their opposition 
that they completely forgot that God was the one who makes the way. God is the one who brings the provision and God is the one who sets the plan in motion. It is the principle of the Sabbath. Okay, it is the principle of the Sabbath. When the nation of Israel had first went into the wilderness, they had wanted bread. They were hungry. So they came to their heavenly father like, God, we're, we are starving. We need some food. And so God says, okay, I'm going to give you food, but I'm only going to give you food for six days. And they're like, but there's seven days in a week. I'm only going to give you food for six days. This is going to help build up your trust. Because your trust is not going to be in the bread. Your trust is going to be in the one that provides the bread. Your trust is going to be in the one that makes the provision for the bread. So all you need is six days, and trust me, it will be enough to last seven. It will be enough to last seven. But you see, the Israelites are like, no. They became so distracted with the six days of bread that on the seventh day, they're like, God, we need more bread. God's like, I already told you I made enough provision for you that the six days will last you seven days. But they became worried. It's what happens to us. God, it doesn't look like the plan is unfolding the way it's supposed to. It doesn't look like how they said it was going to happen on WebMD. It doesn't look like how they said it was going to happen on YouTube. This isn't how it looked like in the documentary series I watched on Netflix. And so we lean on our own understanding and we become worried because we overlook that God is the one that sets the plan and sets the provision. If God says there's enough for seven, there's enough for seven. So don't worry about if you think it's enough or not, because God says it is enough. Worry distracts us from God's said plan. Trust is the peace that Paul talks about that surpasses all understanding. Paul says in Philippians 4, he says, Do not be anxious about everything, but in prayer, but in everything by prayer and and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Trust is that peace that surpasses all understanding. That God, if you said that that land belongs to us, it doesn't matter who's currently living in it now. It doesn't matter how big they may seem. I'm not gonna put my focus on their size or on their number, I'm gonna put my trust in you. I'm gonna put my trust in you because that is the peace that is going to surpass my understanding and my circumstances and my surroundings. Some of you, when you walk into work tomorrow, when you walk into your home later today, when you, when you walk, uh, when, you, when you go to that family barbecue this week, you need to say, God, my trust is in you, not in my surroundings. God, my trust is in you, not in my circumstances. You need to walk into your living room, look your spouse in the face and say, my trust is in God, not in my circumstances. You need to tell your children, my trust is in God, not in my circumstances. And I know that it may look like it's falling apart right now, but what I do know is that God has already made the provision and has already set the plan in motion, so all I'm going to do is respond in faith and respond in trust. But it comes down to what are we making the most deposits into? What are we making the most deposits into? You could bring that illustration out. The 
spies that had went out and they began to look at the land and they saw the enemies, immediately they began to make deposits. And for any of you that have saved money for your children or you create some type of piggy bank, but the only way to build up the savings in that piggy bank or in that bank or in that travel jar I brought one of these because as a kid, my parents used to have these five-gallon jugs, and they used to place their change in there, and they're like, we're going to use that for a vacation one day. I don't think I ever seen them change it out to go on a vacation, but it was a great plan. And so the nation, so the spies of Israel, they saw the land, and immediately, what did their minds go to? Immediately, I want to make sure I put them in the right, immediately their mind was like, but they're big. But the land is, is, is way too big for us. I don't know that we'll be able to fill it all in. And so what they began to do is in their spirit and in their mind, they began to make deposits of their faith into worry. If we are going to manage the emotion of worry, and if we are going to place our trust in God, is we have to understand is what are we depositing into the most? Because oftentimes what happens is we wake up and, oh, it's Sunday. Well, make a deposit into my trust fund. But then Monday, oh, worry. Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, I'm going to go to midweek. I'll try out that connect group once. But then Thursday, now it's Friday, uh-oh. It's the end of the week, and I don't know if I have enough money to get me through the weekend. Let me put a few more in this worry fund here. And we make small deposits into our trust fund. Sundays, Wednesdays, we get invited to maybe in a live night or something, or there's a marriage connect group going on, so we have nothing else to do. So we're like, okay, we'll just go to, I guess we'll go to that connect group, and we'll make small deposits into the trust fund but every day we're making larger deposits into the worry fund. How do we manage the emotion of worry? Point number one is we have to make the right deposits. We have to make the right deposits. What does Paul say? Philippians 4, 8 through 9, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He said, no matter what circumstance you may find yourself in, you have cancer, it's okay, my God is a healer. I don't have enough money, it's okay, my God is a provider. I don't know how I'm gonna get to work, it's okay, God is gonna create a way. And in every situation is we have to make sure that rather than, we have to train our minds that rather than making deposits of worry, is no, 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 no. Even though my, my flesh wants to say that this looks like it's going to fall apart, God, I know that you have a plan. And so we continue to make these deposits into our trust fund. Because remember what I said. The nation of Israel, they didn't build up that fund of worry in one sitting. But it was hundreds of years of slavery that had deposited funds into their worry account. It was facing a Red Sea that had not yet been parted and 
They're like, we're going to die. Moses brought us out here to kill us. We should have stayed in Egypt. We have no bread. We have no water. And so now when they were placed in a situation where the promise was in front of them, they didn't have enough funds in their trust account, so they had to lean on their worry account. You see, the truth is, is every day you have a fund that you're pulling from. But does your fund say insufficient in trust? So we have to lean in worry? So we have to be grounded in fear? So that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so we're going to lose our minds and lose our hair? Don't laugh at me. <laughs> or have we made enough deposits, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, but every day we're thinking about what is just, what is commendable. God, you have a plan. God, I don't see it, but if you created all of this, I know that you have a plan for my life. God, you didn't, you, I didn't birth myself into this world. I didn't create myself. So if you created me, then you've already set in motion the provision and the plan for me to achieve the promise and the destiny that you have marked out. So I'm going to put my trust in you no matter what the situation or the circumstance may look like. You see, oftentimes we can be in the right place at the right time, but not have our thoughts and our words in alignment. Because our thoughts and our words have made deposits in the wrong fund. So how do we make the right deposits? How do we make the right deposits? Subpoint A is through your praise. Subpoint A is through your praise, okay? And I'm not talking about the first 17 and a half minutes of a service. What does Paul say? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice when the circumstances seem to be advantageous to you. He doesn't say rejoice when it looks like God's already shown you the plan of attack. He says rejoice in the Lord always. That means every day, God, I'm going to give you praise. If for nothing else, because I have oxygen in my lungs and there is life that is flowing through me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Your praise is not just when you sing along to a worship song or when you sing along to the team that's up here on stage. Your praise is every day, God, thank you. Every day, God, you are bigger than my circumstance. Every day, God, you are bigger than the giants. God, you are bigger than the opposition. God, you are bigger than everything that I face. God, you are bigger than, 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 than these, these bad attitudes my children are going through right now. God, you're bigger than this mess that my marriage is in right now, that my family is in right now. You are bigger than my current work situation. You are burger, bigger. Burger. You are bigger. You are bigger than what my bank account says. It's our praise. Always. He says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Now, that word reasonableness is not like let your reason be known because for some of us, we'd be like, well, it doesn't seem reasonable to me. But our heavenly father, he doesn't work off of human reason. And so when Paul says, let your reasonableness be, be made known, he says, yeah, I know it's gonna sound foolish. 
I know it's going to sound foolish when your marriage is falling apart. I know it's going to sound foolish when your children have left the house and they no longer want to talk to you. I know it's going to sound foolish when you ask for that raise. But let your reasonableness be made known. Let them know about the God that you serve. Let them know that you serve a God that is your healer, that is your provider, that is your restorer, that he is a God of love, that he is a God of justice, that he is a God of virtue, and that no matter what the situation may appear to be, your reason is not based in human understanding. Your human is based in God's plan and God's provision. God's plan and God's provision. All right, we got to move along here. Sub point, how do we make the right deposits into our trust fund? Letter B is prayer. Prayer. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Somebody say, cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all of your worry on him. Cast your marriage on him. Cast your work situation on him. Cast your family on him. Cast your children on him. Cast every anxiety and every worry on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He says, it's not just troubling your heart. It's not just your health situation. If it matters to you, then it matters to me. That's the God that we serve. He says, but I need you to bring it to me. I need you to come and lay it down at my feet, not because I don't know what's going on, but because I need you to let it go. Because when you cast your cares upon me, then you shed the weight and you shed the burden. And you can run into the promise that I have already marked out for you. But it's not going to happen unless you bring it to me and you say, you know what, God? I don't know what the heck is going on right now, if I could be honest, but I need you. Make a deposit. I don't have a plan of attack, but I know that you do. God, I don't see light at the end of the tunnel, but I know that you bring light into the darkness. So I'm going to bring my deposits to you in prayer. Psalm 94, 19, it says, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Your comfort brings me joy. Your presence lets me know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Your presence lets me know that you've already set in motion the provision. You've already set in motion the plan. I just have to bring them to you in prayer. Subpoint C is your attention. How do we make the right deposits? Is what are we giving our attention to? What are we giving our attention to? You see, we've all got that Thea. We've all got that grandma. I oh, know, sorry grandma. We've all got that cousin. That person that went through that that one time, that cousin's aunt, sister's husband's uh, cousin who is no longer living, but they, they, they said it. And so we make deposits into our worry based out of what other people say about our situation. And we give our attention to those things rather than giving our attention to God. What you put your attention on, let me say it better. When you direct your attention on God, 
he will mark out the path of trust for you. But you have to be mindful of what you're giving your attention to. Because Netflix, they got a lot of compelling stories. YouTube, they got a lot of influencers out there. WebMD, they got a lot of analysis and a lot of experts. But how often do we say, you know what? Let me put my attention here. Let me put my attention on God's word. I know what all the experts say. I know what all the documentaries say. I know what all the doctors say. I know what all the financial advisors say. I know what all the counselors and therapists and everything, I know what they say. But it's time that I start bringing my attention here. It's time that I start bringing my attention to the cross of Jesus. Because when I bring my attention to God, I give Him the direction to direct my steps. But if I'm not giving my attention here, then I can't expect to make deposits here. Go ahead and stand to your feet with me as we come to a close. We have to make the right deposits. And point number two is the right deposit. The right deposit will bring the right protection. The right deposit will bring the right protection. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, do not be anxious about everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be your shield. It will be what guards your heart and what guards your mind. Worry doesn't attack your salvation. Worry attacks your mind. Worry is a distraction. Worry keeps your attention off of what God is doing in your life. Worry keeps your attention off of God, what God is doing in your marriage. Worry keeps your attention off of what God's doing in your workplace. We need a shield. We need a guard for our heart and for our mind. That's why when the Israelites now were ready to take hold of this promised land, Joshua gives them this charge. He says, keep this book of the law on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous, prosperous and successful. He says, when you meditate on my word day and night, then you don't got to worry about what opposition or what giant or what circumstance you're walking into because you're going to know the God that covers your heart and covers your mind. You're going to know the God that's already set in motion a plan for your family, already set in motion a plan for your marriage, already set in motion a plan for your finances. You just can't get caught up in the distraction. You got to keep your attention and your meditation on God, on his word, on his promises, on his provisions, night and day. If you can do that, then you will be successful and prosperous in all that you do. Freedom House, God wants you to be successful and prosperous in all that you do. And I know people may not have said that to you before. Maybe somebody's never told you that. 
Maybe you walked into this place, you're like, nobody's ever told me I'll be successful and prosperous. Nobody's ever told me that I matter. Nobody's ever told me that there's a way out. They've always told me you're going to be just like your father. You're going to be just like your mom. Your marriage is going to end up just like your parents. Your kids are going to end up just like you were as a kid. No. I reject that. I got a shield about my heart, and I got a shield about my mind. I'm not going to recreate that pattern because Joshua tells me that if I meditate on his word day and night, that I will be prosperous and successful, that my prosperity and my successfulness doesn't rely on who came before me, on who's got the best advice, on who's the best expert, but it relies solely and specifically on the plan and the provision of God. Come on, give Jesus some praise in this house today. Thanks for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by this message. Show your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.